Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Rounding the News. This is our weekly news roundup uh, series from Rounding the Earth, a popular Substack series written by Matthew Crawford. I admit I've had a crazy last hour and a half, and in fact, this is the third or fourth time I've said that sentence. Um, I uh, am sick and uh, attempted to pre-record the show, then uh, had a computer issue and lost the entire show. So then I decided, okay, I'll go live. Um, and then realized my mic wasn't working. So then I canceled that, got the mic figured out. Hopefully it's working now, by the way. Then I uh, went live again, but oops, I was broadcasting on my personal uh, YouTube channel, not the Rounding the Earth channel. And that just won't do. So it's entirely possible you could make the argument, I should have just taken the day off. But you know what? Sunk cost fallacy be darned. We are going ahead and doing it anyway. So, ladies and gentlemen, I am happy now, Liam Sturgis, your host, to bring you the news roundup for the week. So, our first story from the National Pulse. This was published, uh, oh boy, uh, July 14, 2022, okay? Study, 99% of COVID-19 data websites secretly track users. Shocking, we know, as seen in the byline here. Very good article by Natalie Winters. I'm going to read just a bit of it for you. The vast majority of governmental and COVID-19 tracking websites employ third-party trackers on users without consent, according to a new study. <gasps> this revelation comes from a recent paper titled Measuring Web Cookies in Governmental Websites, published by a cohort of European researchers funded by groups including the European Research Council, the European Union, and the Spanish government. Quote, a potential risk from e-governance is that since it represents a unique point of interaction for mandatory and indispensable services for all citizens, it can unintentionally or not become a single point of monitoring and tracking for the entire population of a country. And I find it interesting that they specifically say uh, 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 unintentionally or not. So they're fully aware this could be weaponized. Uh, this could be used. <coughs> could be BA5. Let's find out. Anyway. Uh, yeah, a readily available way to achieve that is with the use of web cookies, cautions the paper. The study analyzed three types of websites. Official governmental websites of G20 countries around the world, websites of international organizations such as the United Nations, and popular websites used for COVID-19 tracking and information. It measured these sites' use of cookies, personal data related to your browsing history that websites can retrieve at a later time. Quote, web cookies have been exploited to collect information about users' online activities and interests, notes the paper. Our results show that, unfortunately, tracking is a serious concern. As in some countries, up to 90% of these websites create cookies of third-party trackers, here's the key part, without any consent from users, explains a summary of the findings. Um, yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot. Some examples, we got John Hopkins University, which has a very popular global map uh, interface that people like to use. And look at that. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is also in the top 10. The findings come amidst concerns that governments in the West are seeking to emulate the Chinese Communist Party's social credit score system, granting the regime the ability to dictate individuals' spending habits and movements, potentially based on their ideologies. 
very uh, sobering reporting from the National Pulse here. And, uh, you know, it seems awfully familiar. It's almost as if we've already covered some of this, not on this show, but in general, we've seen from the National Post way back in December of 2021. Canada's public health agency admits it tracked 33 million mobile devices during lockdown. Um, let's see what they said. Yeah, they accessed location data from 33 million mobile devices to monitor people's movements during lockdown. Due to the urgency of the pandemic, PHAC collected and used mobility data, such as cell tower location data throughout the COVID-19 response, a spokesperson told National Post. Um, PHAC used the location data to evaluate the effectiveness of public lockdown measures and allow the agency to understand possible links between movements of populations within Canada and spread of COVID-19. The issue is no one consented to that. And uh, there are some some uh, inquiries into that right now. I can't believe people are. Uh, I, I think most people probably don't even know that this is 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 in the news, you know, that this is not a conspiracy theory. But then we have a second. Uh, check this out. May 5th, 2022. From CP24, Canadian trips to liquor stores and pharmacies tracked via phones during the pandemic. Boy, oh boy. Ottawa, Canadians' movements, including trips to the liquor store and pharmacy, were closely tracked. Closely tracked via their mobile phones without their knowledge during the COVID-19 pandemic, a report sent to a parliamentary committee shows. Outbreak intelligence analyst Blue Dot prepared reports using anonymized data for the Public Health Agency of Canada to help it understand travel patterns during the pandemic. Blue Dot is interesting. We're going to pull them up here, okay? Campfire.wiki. Firing up our good old wiki. It's nice and good looking. I don't know if I've shown the new version yet. Um, okay. Blue Dot. Let's see. I had done some research into Blue Dot for a project I'm working on. Blue Dot is a private Canadian artificial intelligence software company based in Toronto, Ontario. It is intended to operate as an early warning system for emerging infectious diseases across the globe. Here's the interesting thing. Blue Dot is notable in the COVID-19 pandemic due to its role in detecting the initial outbreak of an undiagnosed pneumonia in Wuhan, China, and its apparent ties to the People's Liberation Army of China by a Hong Kong business magnate, Li Kaxing. Now, I'm not going to go into any more depth than that for now, other than to say a couple things. Uh, Blue Dot may or may not be... There's a there's question as to whether they are uh, friendly with uh, the, the People's uh, Liberation Army of China because of the way that Chinese uh, government and business uh, interact. Um, through this individual, uh, Li Kaxing, who has invested a lot of money into Canadian healthcare um, operations. The second thing, though, is that they Blue Dot alleges that they were the first ever in the whole world to detect and then send out an alert to their customers that there was a emerging outbreak in Wuhan. I don't know if I believe them when they say that. I feel like that's sort of a good cover story. For, for something, I don't know what. But I just wanted to share that. So they allegedly were the company uh, that were tracking that data. I did not give permission for Blue Dot to do that. And I'm sick, so I'm going to get angry easy. So let's move on. Speaking of being sick, BA5 doesn't care that you just had COVID-19. Yeah, well, I don't... Okay. 
So let's just read a little bit of this. And the idea behind this is we're capturing in time the uh, today what they're saying about variants. Uh, and because remember, COVID, when it started, variants were not part of the discussion at all. It only came as the vaccination program began, in fact, that we started having the alpha, the beta, the delta, the gamma, the lambda, so on and so forth. Um, the moo. But my point is, the story has changed over time. So I, and, and it's interesting watching non-medical uh, media folks, how they describe it. So today, uh, rather on July 17th, Umer Irfan uh, described it as such. The pattern has become all too familiar. A new version of the SARS-CoV-2 virus emerges and begins to dominate new COVID-19 cases until it's replaced by an even more contagious version of the virus. This year, sub-variants of the Omicron variant of the virus, it's a lot of ofs the, <coughs> the Liam variant, have ruled cases in the US. The BA1 sub-variant started the Omicron wave. Then in April, BA2 formed the majority of cases. By May, BA2.12.1 took over. Just highlighting that for those who can see, I'm not making that up. That's a real variant, apparently. Now BA5 is in the lead, triggering a rise in hospitalizations across the country. It may be the most contagious version of the variant to date. Now this, I just want to see what they link to here. Yale Medicine. Let's just see. The original Omicron strain has a relatively mild version of the virus, causing less severe disease and death than Delta, which preceded it. While scientists are still learning about BA5, data continues to show hospitalizations to be low compared to earlier in the pandemic. So wait, I'm confused now. This, that maybe paints a different picture. Hmm. Okay, so this is the issue in question. Is Omicron more transmissible or deadlier than previous variants? I have not read this yet, so let's see. From the beginning, two important questions about Omicron were top of mind for scientists, says Dr. Murray. The first was how transmissible, yada, yada. Uh, yeah, they say it spreads more easily. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. So, moving back to this. Why does this keep happening? It's evolution. The more a virus spreads, the more opportunities it has to mutate. And eventually, some of those mutations will confer a transmission advantage to the virus. Omicron showed that it was adept at cause... By the way, the argument behind these COVID-19 vaccines, why everyone needed to have it, was because if you did, you would not catch and then spread the virus. Uh, I, I just want to assert that. Uh, I assert that that is what they said. And a lot of people, everyone in fact, took it with that being the reason that was at least one of several reasons that was said at the time get it you won't get covid or at a minimum they they did at first say you won't even spread it some did um the good news is that covid19 vaccines still provide good protection against severe illness caused by ba5 i postulate postulate that might be the right word that uh that may be because BA5 remains, hypothetically, not more um, virulent than uh, uh, prior strains. Maybe it's just not as bad an illness. But 
even in an era of widespread immunity. Okay, I'm going to move on from this. But just just to be clear, it's there's a lot of um, finagling the logic here, in my opinion. But okay, so uh, I just I just brought this up because I love I love the title. You you can maybe see a pattern in uh, news reporting. Why BA five is cause for concern, but not alarm yet. That took like three twists and turns. What is it trying to say? <laughs> Don't worry, but pay attention and maybe think you should be worried. But officially, we're going to tell you not to worry. But also, we're going to be very clear in that at some point, we're going to be much more overt about telling you to worry. So, yet. <coughs> Stay home from work when you're sick, kids. Um. I wanted to show this because uh, Dr. John Campbell has been wonderful um, in his uh, in his covering of uh, related issues to COVID and, and monkeypox. And I, I thought I haven't seen this yet, but I pulled it up because I knew I wanted to recommend him. And this is a video from today, in fact, and it's titled Rampant BA5. I'll put it uh, along with the rest of the links in the description. However, the description says rant warning. There is a significant rant in this video starting at 15 minutes, 20 seconds. Viewer discretion is advised as some may find this objectionable. I don't know about you. I cannot wait to watch this rant. So highly recommend it. Uh, now, the, the, so the, I'm just going to jump to this next one. Another example of maybe some sketchy regulatory decision making. The Los Angeles Times reports Skittles unfit for human consumption, which is that statement hurts my feelings. California lawsuit claims. I like Skittles. July 18, 2022. Although most, oh, sorry, Skittles, the colorful fruit-flavored candy, are coming under fire after a lawsuit filed in Northern California. Says people are tasting more than the rainbow. <coughs> Actually, they're not, because the issue at hand is a flavoring product, not a uh, taste product. But that's neither here nor there. It's a good joke. Uh, although most people can identify Skittles flavors like lemon, strawberry, and orange, few can probably name titanium dioxide, a coloring additive that helps give the candies their bright hue. The ingredient is a known toxin and unfit for human consumption, according to a lawsuit filed. It argues that U.S. consumers are not aware of the health risks associated with the artificial food coloring. Titanium dioxide is an active ingredient. Um, although it's been removed from the candy's recipe in several European nations and banned in several other countries. So here's a question. Why? Why is it banned in other countries? In fact, take a look at this. Around the same time in 2016, when Mars Inc. said they were going to take it out of the U.S. as well, the European Food Safety Authority said there was uncertainty about the characterization of the ingredient. But in May 2021, the EFSA concluded there was enough research to indicate that titanium dioxide was no longer safe when used as a food additive. And I don't think they mean it used to be safe. Now it's not. I think it's, we didn't know it wasn't safe. Now we know it's not safe. I don't like that approach. I Call me crazy. I don't like the idea that it's status quo, that the danger becomes known after the fact. Tartrazine is another, it's a yellow food dye that is in a marshmallow candy that I really like, a banana flavored marshmallow candy. And I, I saw a, a tartrazine and I didn't know what that was. So I looked it up and it's similar here. It's a yellow food coloring. And uh, it, uh, what I found just on a cursory search was that no studies have been done to determine if tartrazine is toxic to humans, genotoxic. Hey, which is a word we find here. 
The group said TiO2 particles posed concern for genotoxicity, meaning a substance that, oh, excuse me, that has the ability to damage a person's DNA and may cause cancer. The EFSA said after the ingredient is taken by mouth, the absorption of titanium dioxide particles was low, but could accumulate in the body. You know what else could accumulate in the body in a product that we haven't done any tests to make sure is safe? I'm opining now. My apologies. It's going to be hard to take the entertainer out of this news show. <sighs> Taste the rainbow, ladies and gentlemen. So that'll be interesting. But let's move on because we have some very serious real world examples of regulatory bodies not knowing whether or not they're actually approving something that's safe because no one has checked. And scratch that. People have checked. And the people who have checked and said, hey, this is dangerous, are being written off, dismissed as conspiracy theorists, and people are dying. Okay. The German government. So this, credit to Alex Berenson. This came out two days ago on his Unreported Truths substack. That is alexberenson.substack.com. Quote, the German government admits hundreds of thousands of people have had severe side effects following mRNA shots. The risk benefit of the COVID-19 vaccines is getting worse and worse and worse. This morning, the German Federal Ministry of Health posted a stunning tweet admitting that one out of every 5,000 COVID jabs caused serious side effects. Which it, what's interesting about that is last week we talked about Dr. Kieran Moore, who's the chief public health officer for Public Health Ontario up here in Canada. And he used that same one in 5,000 figure as a ballpark, talking about myocarditis risk if you take the shot. Now, there was pushback. Others uh, in the public health sphere and family doctors, I, I would say very weakly, uh, argued that it's actually far rarer than he suggested. But they didn't cite really a heck of a lot to back that up. But neither did Kieran Moore. Actually, he did. Kieran Moore did, in fact, cite something. My point is, this one in 5,000 number has come up multiple times now. In this case, they, it, it, with Ontario, they were talking just myocarditis, but in this case, they're talking about serious side effects in general. Alex reports, this figure is likely a sharp underestimate, given the fact that side effects, side effect reporting systems for drugs and vaccines are largely voluntary. Nonetheless, it implies that almost 300,000 Americans and Europeans have suffered severe side effects after receiving mRNA shots from Pfizer, BioNTech, and Moderna. It is unclear whether the German side effect Estimate applied to COVID-19 vaccines from India and China, which use older technologies and are largely unused in wealthier countries aside from China. I mean, it's 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 uh, this is not conspiracy theory. This is what's actually happening. This is what's actually happening. Um, I'm going to move on to um, Steve Kirsch's newsletter. Uh, uh, a huge win for free speech, his title reads. Two new developments were not covered by any mainstream media, so I thought I'd let you know about them. You weren't supposed to know this, but dot, dot, dot. Essentially, there is a big court case that was brought. Uh, Judge Grant's request for discovery phase in social media collusion lawsuit against Biden admin. Ooh. And today there's now this other headline, Fauci and Biden officials serve subpoenas in lawsuit over collusion to suppress free speech. Um, so some of those big tech social media platforms are Twitter, YouTube, Meta, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Meta, of course, is the parent company of Facebook. And uh, they all, including Fauci and government officials, have to now respond 
um, to uh, uh, I think they have to provide documents um, outlining their their collaboration with social media, which I, is is more than established at this point. And um, that is suppression of the First Amendment, which in the United States is a very serious violation here in Canada. It's unclear. It's unclear how seriously we take our free speech rights up here in Canada. I'm not going to lie, but that's good news. So let me just quickly see. Um, I'll just read his summary for you. Free speech is key. This ruling and the issuance of subpoenas is a solid step in restoring free speech rights on social media platforms. The decision makers aren't hearing the other side of the story because voices have been censored, including the millions, the voices of millions of vaccine injured people. That's why I brought this up. This is the other reason this is so important. I've met, by the way, I've met some of these folks now. Okay. Uh, more to come on that later. As I've said before, the key to ending the pandemic, Steve, I'm quoting Steve again. The key to ending the pandemic is for decision makers to start listening to the people that are being censored. So stopping censorship is an important step forward. Once that happens, we can go back to normal almost instantly since COVID will no longer kill nearly as many people. We'll use sensible treatment for inpatient and outpatients. The PCR and antigen tests will be properly specified to eliminate the false positives. And we can end all these stupid mitigation measures like masks, lockdowns, isolation, etc. And we'll start incentivizing hospitals to save lives instead of killing people. With a handful of changes, I think there's an excellent chance we can cut the death rate from COVID to insignificant levels. So this is opinion at that point. That's that's Steve's uh Rounding the earth does not confirm nor deny, does not necessarily endorse Steve's um, viewpoint there. But I do like his point of he's reminding uh, folks that if the idea behind censorship is to protect people from information that would cause them to go make a dangerous decision for their health. But it's resulting in the opposite. What Steve's saying is, in theory, everyone wants the same thing. What Steve is saying is, and, and the people who brought this suit, of course, and also people like Alex Berenson, who himself was recently reinstated on Twitter after uh, settling with fire or with uh, with Twitter. Um, everyone is saying we just want p- less people to die of COVID, more people who have access to appropriate, legal, properly prescribed treatments and open access information to uh techniques uh or 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 um uh lifestyle uh adjustments to improve health like these are all things being censored and then of course people who have been hurt by these shots letting their story then signal to regulatory agencies and um to the general public that something may be wrong <sighs> i don't know we we don't have to keep relitigating the same point the point the big point of this story is there's there's now subpoenas issued and this is the same story, but from Children's Health Defense, from The Defender. Um, everyone's quite excited about this. Now, moving on, we're, we're, we're wrapping up our... Uh, uh, oh, actually, we're almost wrapping up our story. I'm just going to quickly pull up something so I don't forget. But are we going to end on time today? Holy crikey. I think we might. And that is the Rounding the Earth Guarantee. Ding. I, gu- I do not guarantee I will ever end on time. But... Hey, remember how um, vaccines eliminated polio? This is a weird story. I don't know what to make of it. This is CBC News. That's the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation up here in Canada. State-funded media. 
New York reports first U.S. polio case in close to a decade. Oh, that's not good. It's kind of like how, wait a second, smallpox is the other one that we eliminated, right? But then why do we keep finding out, oh, this lab has some there, this lab has some there, and that's okay. But oops, apparently Merck also has some vials of smallpox. Whether or not that was a true story, it's unclear. And now we have monkeypox, allegedly. It's, oh, wow. I think yesterday, in fact, the WHO met to decide if it's pandemic. I should go check. But regardless, polio and smallpox, those are the two. And, and both seem to be undermined as, as, as far as the argument of vaccines completely eliminating the issue, which has been the argument. I'm going to read this to you, okay? New York health officials on Thursday reported a polio case, the first in the U.S. in nearly a decade. Officials said the Rockland County resident is an unvaccinated adult, but they did not detail the person's condition. Stop right there. There's a case. We don't know how it was determined. They also don't give us any information about how the person's doing. Thus, thus far, we have zero usable information. Zero information. It appears the person, this is crazy. You ready? It appears the person had a vaccine derived strain of the virus. What? Perhaps from someone who got live vaccine available in other countries, but not the US, and spread it, officials said. Available in other countries, but not the US, live vaccine. This is just weird. I understand all these things, okay? But, but, Okay, polio was once one of the nation's most feared diseases with annual outbreaks causing thousands of cases of paralysis, many of them in children. Vaccines became available in 1955 and a national vaccination campaign cut the annual number of U.S. cases to less than 100 in the 1960s and fewer than 10 in the 1970s, according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. In 1979, here's my point, polio was declared eliminated in the U.S., meaning there was no longer routine spread. Rarely, travelers with polio have brought infections into the U.S. with the last such case in 2013. So hold on, let's summarize. So we don't have, we, we, have, we, we had inactivated polio vaccines in the States, and I, I will find that um, U.S. children are still routinely vaccinated against polio, okay? Four doses. Um, so it's it's an ongoing vaccination effort. But they're saying in the States, and presumably not, you know, we probably don't have it in Canada. Uh, it's It's probably mostly African nations, right? Why do they have a different vaccine? Question one. Some people already know the answer to that. And that may be something that can be explored in a roundtable at some point. Um, but the whole logic behind this was that the mass vaccination campaign eliminated polio and it was because of the introduction of vaccinations that it was gone. But this is saying, where'd it go? It appears the person had a vaccine derived strain of the virus, vaccine derived strain of polio. The vaccine caused polio. But they're alleging it didn't cause polio in the person who got the vaccine. They're alleging, based on, and by the way, based on no substantiating evidence, as far as I can tell, that they're alleging that someone came near someone else who had been vaccinated against polio. And that vaccinated person 
transmitted a strain generated by the vaccine to someone else who had not been vaccinated, who then may or may not have developed polio. They do not say if the person is sick or injured. They just don't. They specifically say no details on condition. This is obscene. I don't understand. I don't understand what this is. This this smells wrong to me. I don't understand. But um, I don't know. This is fascinating to me. This entire story. And I don't want to prejudge. I'm just saying I, I don't think there's any information usable to the public in here. I think it's very suspicious or at a minimum, very strange that they, they there's no information at all, seemingly on purpose, as to whether this case of polio, like what is the definition of a case of polio? Because if the person happened by testing like a broad test for some other reason, if they have like PCR, if they happen to amplify something that they then determine is polio and they call that a case, that's not polio. You have not developed the illness that is polio. So I just don't understand. I'm going to I'm going to end that there. Two more things. In fact, uh, I'm not. So I'm going to be a couple minutes over time. First of all, thank you for listening. I, I feel I've been a little all over the place, but this is also like my third time going through this because of my technical issues earlier. So I appreciate your patience. And um and uh, I want to share some exciting news. This is the Canadian COVID Care Alliance website where I'm a, I'm a, a volunteer a member. Um, I've done lots of work with the CCCA on a number of um, key projects. I co-authored or I helped finish, I would say, their, uh, their declaration document, their core policy paper. Um, and um, helped in small ways in a very uh, in a very exciting uh, range of projects. The most recent one being the following. I wrote part one of what will be a three-part series called The Truth Initiative, Reuniting Canada After the COVID-19 Crisis. I've been working on this since, I want to say, January of this year. It's taken a long time, in part because it's gone through um, a rigorous peer review process, which I'm, I'm very proud to say because... Um, you know, to to attempt to interpret what I've learned. Uh, I've been a student, basically, unofficially, of a lot of very intelligent, very... Um, uh, oh, this is so nice. Sorry, Red Flyer Media. I'm going to bring this up. I've just had time to glance through it so far. It looks fantastic, Liam. Thank you so much. Um, I'm not positive. I can't see from the picture who you are, and I don't recognize the name. Um, the the Red Flyer Media name, but I'm I'm very appreciative of that. And so, folks, go in, enjoy. It's it it. The point of it, my pitch is, this is designed to give to your friends and family. I'm trying to write the document, the, write the book, essentially, that will um oops that will help. Ah, uh, it's Rebecca. Okay, cool. Hello, Rebecca. Thank you for your kindness. Uh um. This will hopefully bridge the gap in understanding and knowledge between people who have been paying attention, um, who have been very engaged in what's going on, um, and then those who maybe think that some of those people are a little crazy. We've had families divided. We've had friend groups shattered simply because uh, people disagree on 
what are frankly very silly details. So go ahead, CanadianCovidCareAlliance.org, grab your copy and take a read. And um, yeah, let me know what you think. And I'm going to end now, though, on a video that I saw. It came out um, actually, uh, I want to say like uh, two weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago. But it was just such a good video. Um, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm. Uh, uh, speaking of, you know, narratives or or truth or discussions about what's actually happening. This video, I think, does a really good job. I- I'm going to stop talking. I'm just going to show you. Thank you so much for watching. I'm going to play it out. It'll be the thing we close with. But th- thank you for watching. I've been Liam Sturgis. Uh, you can find me at www.liamsturgis.com. Um, if you want to help support the show, um, you're going to want to subscribe primarily on Rumble. You're also going to want to become a paid subscriber to the Rounding the Earth Substack. That's roundingtheearth.substack.com. And um, on the video, you can leave a Rumble rant if you're watching. I'm not sure if it's mirrored, but it should be on that side. Um, and uh, basically, you can you can tip. You can do a paid comment, and that will go towards keeping this show going, um, as well as our roundtable series and uh, a couple other pretty exciting projects that Matthew uh, and the Rounding the Earth and the Operation Uplift team have in the works. Um, so thank you so much, guys. I'm going to go ahead and play this video for you now. And we will see you on Tuesday for a roundtable discussion titled, What is Russia? And ICU numbers are still rising steeply. And many hospitals across Canada are under intense strain. To please get vaccinated. The vaccine is the key to fight the virus. They only confer about four and a half months of immunity. It's absolutely 100% impossible to achieve the goal of herd immunity with these vaccines. If you mass vaccinate in the middle of a pandemic, for example, you are going to create the perfect storm for the potential emergence of a variant of concern. There's just an enormous amount of data demonstrating the safety and the uh, effectiveness of these vaccines. We need at least five years of testing and research before we can really understand the risks associated with this new technology. What is Egypt doing right? They sent me the official treatment protocol for COVID-19. Do you know what the number one thing is that they go to first is hydroxychloroquine and number two is ivermectin. I'm actually seeing patients now demanding this as treatment, even though there's no proven benefit for COVID. That medication has been shown to literally solve the pandemic in numerous regions around the world. And- I've kept over 2,000 people out of the hospital. And if you look at current statistics, 20 of those people should be dead, and they're not. Why? Why have cheap, safe, and effective drugs been ignored for the treatment of COVID-19, which could have saved maybe 500,000 lives? The determinants of hospitalization and death are the lack of early treatment. As a clinician for the first time in my entire career, I could not be a doctor. I had to stand by idly. I had to stand by idly watching these people die. Uh, The data specifically for uh, ivermectin and the use of COVID-19 is very poor with uh, low quality data. Physicians found to be spreading misinformation. Joe Rogan treated with several drugs and he included ivermectin on the list, a drug used for livestock. Dormer's not a flattering thing, I get that. It's a lie. That's a lie that they're conscious of. First of all, it was prescribed to me 
by a doctor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wear a mask even if they're not feeling sick because the high prevalence of asymptomatic carriers. Smallest pore size is 80. So that means the largest droplet coated with the virus can pass right through. We found objectively that masks are critically important. They're very effective. There's zero, repeat, zero randomized controlled trials at all showing that Matt stops better upper respiratory disease. There's been a number of studies that showed masks are effective in reducing a lot of viruses, including uh, uh, SARS-CoV-2. United States today, with 200 million people who've accepted at least one shot of the vaccine, we have over a million injured people. 21,000 have lost their lives. Over 35,000 are permanently disabled. Hundreds of thousands have been seriously injured. The COVID vaccines are, are really effective against preventing severe disease. I think the vaccine passports at the very least are gonna have to maintain with us because we need to be immunized against this pandemic. I would probably see a blood clot twice a year, maybe. I'm seeing them weekly now. It's all jab recipients. It is one of the most effective vaccines that have ever been made. So don't tell me these vaccines are safe. They're not safe. Health officials insist the best way to protect yourself from COVID is to get vaccinated. Why are they vaccinating our children? Because once on the childhood schedule, they are no longer liable for injury. And by the way, the vaccines are expired because Omicron is here. And I now they still want to mandate them. These people, they put a very important burden on our healthcare uh, network. Most COVID patients in the ICU here are unvaccinated. Ils sont farouchement opposés à la vaccination. Ils sont extrémistes. Qui croient pas dans la science, qui sont souvent misogynes, Any souvent racistes aussi. Of an unvaccinated person is someone we need. The average family physician. So knows We've almost nothing so about immunology. Canadian doctors accused of providing deadly COVID information. This is a giant game of chicken and they're losing uh, it, holding unacceptable uh, views. This is corruption, plain and simple, it's corruption.